Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for bringing everyone here that's here, Lord. And we pray for safe passages for those who might still be on their way. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word, uh, that we can study it and learn about you, learn about Jesus Christ, learn about the Holy Spirit, uh, learn about the church, and learn about uh, how it is as believers we are to, um, to relate to one another, to relate to you and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and then to... Uh, to also be obedient to your word, Lord, in, in uh, demonstration of our love to you. And so, um, but the most important thing is that we know your word because we, we have a tough time being obedient to something we don't know. And so that's why we're here, Lord, to study your word, to understand it, and to be obedient to it. And so help us, uh, help us to understand your word and apply it to us, uh, to our hearts, that we might be uh, in all we say and do um, glorifying you being more and more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so, Keone, why are we here? We are here to have assurance of eternal life, and to become equipped for ministry, and to know God more deeply. So today, to know God more deeply, we will be talking about the second person of the Trinity, Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who is, in fact, God, right? So, um, and, and through this process, we we'll have more assurance of eternal life as we understand what God's word says about it, right? And then as a result of that, we become better equipped for ministry. And that's, that's another thing that we will get into when we talk about, uh, talk about the church is that uh, all believers are gifted by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of edifying the body. And the way you edify the body is in service. You serve somehow in the church. And so um, we'll get there. So, uh, anybody memorize John 1? 1 through 14. Yeah. You don't want to say it in front of everybody. The part about the whole the glory and the. Anyway. Yes. I mean, I can write it down, but to say it out loud, I'm not sure. But the one I definitely have. Well, we'll help you. So, go ahead. In the beginning. Go ahead. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He. He became. He and, was. And, the, and he came. Okay. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes. And something about the glory. We beheld it. We we beheld his glory, the glory of his only through only his as of his begotten father. Son, uh huh. I can write it. And then it says something about truth and grace. Yes, yes. So you're almost there. But that's excellent. You're like halfway and next week so you got one more week to get it. Yeah, and then next week we'll, you know, we'll hand out the quiz and uh, well, go right there. Somebody's going to record it on my phone and listen to it. I don't know what I've been doing, but it's somewhere else. I think I still got the King James Version in my head. That's I'm okay. Trying to learn this one, but no, I'm use it. Gonna... Memorize it for, in the Bible that you use. So if you're well, using the King James, yeah. Oh, that the NASB. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, I would say just memorize it in the in the Bible you're using, and uh, yeah. So let's look at this verse. So, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, okay? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, right? Full of grace and truth, right? This is deep, way deep, okay? And we'll, we're we're going we're gonna to get into it in a little bit, but a couple of things to focus on is when we talk about the Word, capital W-O-R-D, who does that refer to? Jesus Christ, right? And said, and the Word, capital W-O-R-D, was with God. And the Word was God. And yeah, lowercase w on the third word. Uh, and the Word was God. So I need to fix that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, another typo. Um, but, um, yeah, and so the Word was God, right? And so um, be careful if you ever witness with uh, Jehovah's Witness. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they have a little, um, they, they have changed this, and they add a little word in there, and it says, and the word was a God. The word was a God. Hey, you didn't miss prayer, you didn't miss time, you just, just making sure everybody's paying attention. That's it. I like that. I like that. Let me add that to my notes. So, right. Yeah, and so, um. Anybody, anybody listen to the message on this? Yeah, any, any insights you want to share? It's something he said, talking about Adam, mm -hmm. and he was talking about the fact that, because um, you know, when, when he created the earth, it was all perfect, he said, 
I wasn't holy, he was innocent. And I never thought of him. I was thinking he was just innocent. He wasn't holy. He's not God. Mm -hmm. And I, that just kind of jumped out at me for some reason. I don't know why, but he was really good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, you know, John always, when he does a message, you know, it says that it's been told anyway that he asks a yeah, hundred questions mm -hmm. of the verse just to draw out everything that it, you know, that it could say. And so, yeah, it's true. I mean, he, he wasn't holy. I had mind this because earth was perfect when God made it. Perfect. He was holy. He was, no, he wasn't holy. He was innocent. Right, right. And for some of that discount, because there's a lot more to it, of course, than that. But yeah. That's something I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, it's always, it, when you listen, it's always something that he's going to bring up, so. Anyway, we'll break this down a little bit, but let's go to the quiz. Uh, Michael, could you read that one and give us an answer? Jesus Christ never grew tired nor became hungry. False. False, right? We know that because he was asleep in the boat when the storm came, right? He, and he was wearied. So, and he, he fasted for 40 days, right? So he's hungry after that, which is how, the, how Satan could tempt him with bread. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Uh, Carol. Kathy, I mean. Sorry. Jesus Christ grew and developed both physically and mentally. Yeah. True. True, right? Yeah. You you guys were really good on most of these. I mean, there's, I think only one of you missed one. So you're all well taught. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Sheila. Yes, true. Yes, right? So Jesus yeah, has the authority. Only, only, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Andrew. Jesus Christ claimed to be God. Yeah, that's true, right? So this would be a question sometimes people ask. Uh, really, did Jesus ever claim to be God? What's your response? What is your response? In what ways did he claim to be God? I am the Father of One. I am the Father of One. There's a big one. What else? He said, I am, right? Just like the same, that's the same exact language that God used when Moses asked him, who shall I say? that sent me, and he said, tell him, I am that I am. So he used that, and then the Jews specifically understood exactly what he was talking about. Why? Because they picked up stones to kill him for equating himself to God. So they knew exactly what he was talking about. He was saying, I'm God. Okay, Keone. Christ did not exist before being born to Mary. That is false. That's false, right? He's always existed. He's eternal. So. Yes, Tracy. Yes. Number six. Uh, Jesus died a physical death. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Right, Michael. Back to you. Jesus was the only perfect man to ever live. He never sinned. Right? Yeah. Right. That's an easy one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kathy. Jesus will someday return to rule as king over all the earth. True. 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 Sheila. Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the truth and the life. Truth. True. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A Andrew. Jesus was part God and part human. 100% God, 100% human. So <laughs> true, I suppose. I no, that's false. It's the it's part, part that part. bothers It's me. the part yeah. part that's wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, and that's why you have to be real careful on the words, right? The wording. This is not just a part of this and a part of that. He is all of this and all of that merged together. Right? So that's false. That, yeah, that's false. <laughs> false, yeah, good. So that's part of the issue with lots of the cults today is they can't reconcile that, and we'll cover a little bit of that. So today, though, we'll look at uh, the God who became man, the man who is God, the Christ who is Savior, the King who comes to rule, and its application to us. So common questions uh, about Jesus. How can Jesus be both 100% man and 100% God at the same time? How? Well, I mean, a short, easy answer is this. Can you have both a soul and flesh? Sure. You do, right? So people look at God, this and they'll say, well, Jesus can't be both God. How can he be both God and man? Well, how can you be both soul and flesh? You are, right? Mm -hmm. So they overlook the fact that they are made in a similitude of God and that they have a soul and they have the flesh. And Jesus Christ has both the pre-incarnate 
God essence that he was or is and took on the flesh with that, right? And then how can Jesus be the son of God and yet equal to God? Again, if, if he is God, which he is, he has the same essence, meaning he is of the same thing, the same material. Everything about him is similar. We have some scripture verses that we'll look at, but... Um, the son, when he calls him the son of God, does that mean that he was born? Or what is the reference there? How do we, how do we explain that to someone? Well. On how he's the son of God? Yeah, when they say, you know, he, how can he be both the son of God and yet equal to God? Why, why is he called the son? Because he was born no. because God sent the son. He sent the son. Sent the son to earth. He could. He didn't send himself. He sent his his son, which was ultimately sending himself to take on the sins of the world. And God cannot have sin, so he sent his son to take on the sins of the world and to die for. Right. And so, the son though is not a lesser person. I mean, in a patriarchal society, you have a father, oh, could be the head of a household, and you can have a son who is next in line, so to speak. But in this case, Jesus is not less than God, but in the vernacular of description, we have God the Father and God the Son. And so the Son then is subordinate to the Father in the incarnation because he is also equal to, right? In heaven, he is God the Father and there is God the Son and there is God the Holy Spirit. They have different positions, positionally speaking, but they are all co-eternal, co-essential, co-equal. So. When I was a kid, I had a book, and it showed an apple. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of the book, but that apple, that dang apple. There's the apple peel, mm -hmm. then there's the meat of the apple, mm -hmm. then there's the core. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it was explaining to kids, me, the Trinity, and uh. how all three of them are equal. And without one of them, you wouldn't have the complete apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you take the skin off, well, you're missing that part of the apple. The core apple, where's the apple going to come from? So, I, you know, without the mm -hmm. three that are equal, you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have it, yeah. No, I like that one. You've heard the egg egg analogy as well. You've the shell, the, the egg white, the egg yolk. They're all egg, but without any of it, you wouldn't have all of it, so... Well, I was about to say, I've heard several people since then say that those are horrible examples, but I was like, but as an adult, that's how I became to understand the Trinity, the apple. Yeah. And it was through a book I was reading, so, because I wasn't saved until late in life, but um, that's how I, it, it finally made sense, it clicked for me. I mean, you know, so, but I've heard people since then yeah, I mean, and why why do they say it's a horrible analogy? Because you know you're you're using a kind of a physical item to describe an infinite person. Yeah. So it's it's very limited, but it gives you the basics of how you know all of these are part of the one. So yeah. it is difficult. So let's let's read this. Jesus, a fact. Now, there was about this time. Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drove over he, he drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again on the third day. As the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct to this day. This is from the works of Josephus. So anybody know who Josephus is, mm -hmm. right? So Josephus is a Jewish historian, right? And this is, this is written uh, in 70 AD, right? It's referred, and he's referring to Jesus. And it, this is what we would call an extra-biblical source. It's outside the Bible, right? We don't, we don't look at it as being uh, an infallible statement, but it's historical. Is that there's a man 70 years A.D. who said, 
this about Jesus. And this is what he heard from the people who were believers. And then we have another one that is, uh, uh, this is a era, uh, written in Arabic. It says almost the same thing. At this time there was a wise man who was called Jesus and his conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. And those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and then he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. So there's another statement from, from C.S. Lewis that I think is uh, worth reading here. And it's just a question for you. You know, when you talk to people about Jesus and they say, well, who is Jesus? What, what do you hear them say? What will they say? Unbelievers, what would they say about Jesus? He was a good man. He was a good man. What else? Or a good prophet. He was a good prophet. Or he was a, he, he was a, a, a moral teacher, all these kinds of things, right? Well, I think C.S. Lewis nails this when he, when he says, well, I'm going to read it to you. I don't want to take the thunder. He says, um... I am not, C.S. Lewis says this, of Christ. I'm not trying to prevent anyone even saying the really foolish things that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. So then, one of the things we're going to focus on in this study, then, is the kenosis of Christ. Kenosis means that Jesus Christ emptied himself to become a man, and we're going to explain more of that as we go along. So, this is the point, though. is It's a great point by C.S. Lewis, when people say, oh, he's a great moral teacher. Right? Would, but they're not going to accept that he's God. So, would a moral teacher claim to be God if he was not, in fact, God? And if a person claims to be God when he's not God, what is he then? You're a lunatic. He's a lunatic. He's a liar, right? He's, he needs to go into the funny farm, right? And so, um, but you'll get that. Great moral teacher, you know, just a, a, a good guy who helped the poor, all this kind of stuff. But he hasn't, he hasn't left that open to us. He either is the son of God or he's a liar. So we, we know him to be the son of God. All right, so let's look at some of the uh, titles, uh, names and titles of Christ, right? So the word Lord, you know, we call him the Lord. You know, nowadays, um, people don't understand what that means very much, right? Because we don't live in a feudal monarchist society, right? We live in a you know, democratic republic, right? And so we don't understand the term Lord, but the term Lord referred to, say, the king um, or, you know, some of his, um, his uh, henchmen that would be in charge of, you know, large portions of a kingdom. But that lord literally had the power or the, or the life of a, of a subject in their hand. They could pass judgment and, then, and a person could be executed. And so um, a person who has authority over others or holds their life and it would be considered a Lord. And Jesus, the word Jesus, is from the Greek word uh, Joshua, meaning Savior. Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one, uh, and Messiah is the official title of our Savior. So we're going to look at this, some of these, um, some of the names of Jesus and uh, what they signify and or where you can find them. So Lord, title of honor, we are subject to him. And those are passages, 1 Corinthians 7, 23, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Romans 6, 22. Jesus, Joshua meaning Savior. So Savior, Christ was God's lamb. And you can, you can look all those up when you have time, and I would encourage you to do so. 
Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one, Messiah, uh, John 1, 41. Uh, and then the I am's of Christ. I am gentle and humble in heart. I am the son of God. I am with you always. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am not of this world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the king. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last, the living one, alive forever. I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. So this is interesting, is it? Where else do we see that? Reference. Who else searches the mind and the heart? You'll see that in, uh, in Corinthians when we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. It is he who searches the minds and the hearts as well. And then there's another reference to God who searches the minds and the hearts. Right? So think about what this says. Searches the minds. How do you search a mind? Can I search your mind? Can I put my hand in there and search? What, do you, what does that mean to search the mind? He has to know. He has to know the thoughts, right? That's how you search the mind and the hearts. The heart is, of course, you know, synonymous with, uh, with the person, the soul. But the only way to search the mind is if you have, you have the um, uh, omniscience to do so, the ability to know everything. So, uh, I am coming quickly. I am the root and the offspring of David, the, the bring morning star. Did anybody catch that? The bring morning star? I have to catch that one. The bright morning star. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's the I bring? John. Holy, holy star. Let's just fix this right now because you guys will bring it to me. The bring morning star, huh? The great Bright morning star. How about that? Oh, you didn't see me fix it, did you? No. no, that's okay. It's amazing. Yeah, there it is. Let's see if it's fixed. So, I'm coming quickly. Look at that. Ah, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Yeah. All right, and then also, I am. And this is when the Jews picked up the rocks to stone him. It's fascinating. He just just escaped in their midst, just passing through them. Like, yeah. Nothing. Nothing wrong. Right. Just literally. And he literally walked out. What, walked how can anybody them. do that? Well, again, we didn't say that. that's a miracle, but I would say. He's oh yeah. That's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. Right? Just, I would say that even you know they attribute his first miracle to when he turned the water into wine. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But before that, he was in a synagogue preaching and. He opened the book and he read in Isaiah and talked about, um, what was the verse he was saying? At the end he said, this day, this verse is fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then they said, well, wait a minute, this is Joseph's son, the carpenter, and you claim to be the Messiah? So they wanted to take him to the peak of the hill and throw him off? And he just passed through their midst. Passed through their midst. Yeah. Oh, I, thought, I thought they went to the wedding at Cana first before he went to Nancy. Before he preached? No, I think the first thing was when he, okay. he could preach. I mean, you can look it up and verify that, but even even so, I, I would, yeah. if it, one was the other, I don't know, but the point is, is that, you know, when you, when, when there's a mob ready to throw you off a cliff, <laughs> it's no kind of hard for them to yeah. not, not see you disappear, but he walked right out of their the midst, crowd, yeah. right? Right through the crowd. How is that possible? It makes me wonder if, if the time was kind of frozen and nobody moved and he just got the feeling. Yeah, time. Stop time. I don't know what he did, but he walked <laughs> in their midst. <laughs> what happened? He could have blinded them. Blinded anything. Yeah, you never know, right? What, what could have happened? You know what I mean? Was, yeah. They just disappeared. And, I don't know why that's not referenced more. Yeah. You know, because that is. Twice that's happened. I Two mean, times. It's not a little yeah. thing. No, it's just a huge thing, right? Well, none I mean, of what he did is little things. No, but yeah, no matter how he pulled off his little. I can't believe that I haven't heard more scientists saying, well, what the happened was. Right? There's a psychosis. Oh, there's a mass delusion, you know. Because you don't really hear about that's considered the small. Yeah. Nothing was small. No. Nothing. No, it's huge. I mean, how do you walk 
Yeah, and angry. These guys are angry, by the way. And a mob yeah. is. They're an and angry mob, and angry. yeah, I mean, picking up stones and killing somebody was part of their customs, customs and things, and throwing people off the cliff because they blasphemed God was something they would do, and so uh, how he's just going to walk through the midst of them, and they, then they look like, hey, where did he go? You know? <laughs> well, if you think about it, when Jesus had the the cord of whips, the whip cords mm -hmm. in the temple, and he was getting rid of all the animals and stuff. Why wasn't he arrested? There were guards around. Why didn't the mob mob him then? Why did nobody stop him? Right? God's time. Yeah, it's all in God's time, right? Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, so then, let's look at the, the God who became man. So Jesus existed with the Father before he became man, right? And in this verse... We, which is our memory verse, uh, a part of it anyway. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then we talked about the Word referring to Jesus Christ. And then what is the time frame that we're talking about? It's the beginning, right? The beginning of what? What we call time. What we call time, right? Because before that it was an eternity uh, beforehand, right? So beginning is in the beginning, because it goes on to say that um, he was with God in the beginning. In the next verse, all things were made through him, and nothing was made without him, right? It was made. So, uh, so to sum it up, it's he was with God in the beginning, and he, and the word was God. He was God. This is a great text to use, except for the JWs, they'll put he was a God. But if you want to talk to them, you can say, let's use the King James Version, because that's what they recognized as the word of God all the way up until 1930s. Yeah, and then they created their own, what do they call them? The something scriptures. The, anyway. Yeah, and so I had a, I had a copy of them. Compare the notes, right? He's like, what did they twist? Right. So, um, all right, let's move on then. So, uh, let's see. Sheila, can you read this for us? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Right. So in verse 5 and 6, who are the two persons mentioned capital words there you have jesus christ and god right so then um jesus is being equated to god who christ jesus who being in the form of god right and so we look at this and uh the word Form is from the Greek word morph, right? The morph. And so the essence, of, and that, the, that is the essence of the word is that it's not saying that Jesus is the Father, but Jesus is fully God with the same inner, essential, and abiding nature as the Father, right? So that is being in the form. That is what that word means. He is the same, the, the same essence, the same abiding nature as the Father. Okay, and then it says, um, but he did not consider it robbery to be equal with the Father. So, in, uh, how does the latter part of verse 6 describe the relationship? All right, well, the latter of part 6 is here. He didn't consider robbery to be equal to the Father, right? Is he, is he, in other words, what that's saying is that, you know, is he, um, is it wrong for him to claim to be equal with God? He didn't steal it from him, he just actually is. Absol absolutely, that's what we get here. <laughs> He's in the form, the exact essence of God. And so, of course, it's not robbery to uh, be equal with God. He already is equal with God. So, because he is the same morph as the Father. He has the right to be called equal with the Father. 
Because if he's in the same form, nature, and essence, he must be equal to him, and he is. He has the same attributes of eternity or eternality, uh, omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, which we'll, we'll get to all these um, towards the end of this. Um, Self-existence, hence he has the same glorious names as God. Notice in the Old Testament called the mighty God, the true God, the living God, God over all, Jehovah. The Lord of glory, these are all same works of, of creation and providence are ascribed to him as God. And in the same worship, homage, and honor is given to him. So to be in the form of God and to be equal with God signify the same thing. The one is explanative of the other and this divine form and equality uh, or true and proper deity. He did not obtain by force or uh, seizing by violence or plundering or by robbery or usurpation as Satan attempted to do, but Jesus already had it. So, and the word robbery sometimes is people, we think of robbery as stealing, right? Where's my, there it is. But in this place, it's, it's uh, robbery is clutched or embraced or prized as something translated grasped or held onto tightly. So though Christ had all the rights and privileges and honors of deity, which he was worthy of and could never be disqualified from, his attitude was not to cling to those things or his position, but be willing to give them up for a season. And that's the key, to give some of them up. And we'll talk about what he gave up. So uh, equal defines things that are exactly the same in size, quantity, quality, character, and number. In every sense, Jesus is equal to God and constantly claimed to be so during his earthly ministry, right? John 5.18, John 10.33 and 38, John 14.9, John 20.28, which was... Uh, in John 20, 28, it's actually Thomas calling him my Lord and my God. And Jesus did not say, don't call me God. Mm -hmm. What did he say? He said, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who do not see me and believe. Right. So, and then Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, which we'll cover also. Okay, so can we confirm this profound statement that Jesus was equal to God? Well, yeah. Keone, could you read those? Yep. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So thus, Jesus was fully God before the incarnation as a man. Okay, so what did Jesus become? He was God. He was in heaven for eternity with the Father. What did he become? What's the next verse? There it is. Michael, could you read that? Uh, but he made himself of no re reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Okay, so we just saw Jesus was God equal with the Father. Now look at that verse. And what are the three steps that Jesus did in becoming a man? Okay, he made himself of no reputation. Secondly, taking on the form of a slave. And third, made in the likeness of man. Right? Now, um, the next thing we want to look at is this word again. Notice up here we had the word form. He being in the form of God, the exact essence, everything about it being equal to God. And now he is in the form of a bond servant right so he's a slave he was in the morph of a slave he had taken on all of the same characteristics attributes of a man as a slave so and then here it is coming in the likeness of men so he's a, the likeness of me he is in the same as a man He's coming in the same form as a man, right? He's a slave, a bondservant, but he's a man. So Jesus is fully God and became fully man. He isn't a 50-50. He's not, oh, he gave up Godship to become a man. And this is what most of the cults will claim is that he was never, never God. Jesus is not God. But that's contrary to what the text says. Okay, so then, when he became a man, what did Jesus set aside, right? Uh, 
Kathy, could you read that one? Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Matthew 17, 1-2. Okay, so, when you read that, it says that he took Peter and James and John, and something happened up there, right? What happened? He transfigured. Transfigured. So what happened? What did they see? What did they see? His glory. They saw his glory shining through his garments. He was right. So if they hadn't seen that before, where was it? It was hidden. It was veiled, right? It's under the flesh. So he set that aside. He set his glory aside while he was a man. And they saw simply a glimpse of it as he revealed it to them. Right? Otherwise, he would be walking around like that all the time. Right? So, um, the and he, he also, and we'll cover here, is he put a couple of other things aside that... Um, We'll see. So one thing is he set aside his, glo his glory, right? It says in uh, 17.5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So therefore, he had the glory with God, and he set it aside, and it's going to be, he's asking to have that restored to him. And then uh, what else did he set aside? In Philippians 2.7, which we read, made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. So he set aside his independent authority. Because, think about it logically, does a slave have an independent authority? No. A slave does what its master tells him to do, right? Which is why Jesus says, I come to do the will of my father. Right? This is, and these are the sticking points for for uh, uh, cults. Or they would say, well, Jesus isn't God because look at all these things here. He, he didn't have glory. He wasn't independent. He had to only do what the Father said. So how could he be God if, if he can't do anything unless God tells him to do it? Right? And then this one. Um, in Matthew 24, 36. Do I have that here? Matthew 20, here, Yes. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but only my Father. So then they would say, well, see, Jesus isn't, um, he isn't uh, omniscient, right? He doesn't know everything if he doesn't know that, right? So there's a, you can read about that. It's, um, R.C. Sproul has a, um, what do you call him? Not a blog, because I don't think he did blogs, but it's a, what do you call it? A, it's a bit, not a video, it's a recording. Like, yeah. Sermon? Audio? Well, an audio, podcast. yeah, I don't know. It's on their, you know, their website. So he has the weekly, the daily things he would do, like just like, like you know, on podcast. Grace to You, John, John MacArthur has that video, I mean, the uh, audio recordings all the time. So anyway, R.C. Sproul did things where he... Broke this down, and it's very kind of difficult to understand, but they're looking at Jesus as saying, well, as God, he knows everything. But his human side was not informed of everything. So you can kind of parse that any way you want. I look at it this way. I say, well, there is also some verses that refer to God, the Father, who is also omniscient, and it says that he will separate us as far as the east is the west from our sin, and that he will throw our sins into the sea and remember them no more. So if God can then say, well, he'll remember them no more when he's omniscient, is it possible for Jesus to set aside a specific knowledge of something while he is a, uh, in, the, in the form of man? So nonetheless, is that he, he makes the statement is that he doesn't know, only his father knows. Right? So they jump all over that one. But he set it aside because in heaven, of course, he knows all that, right? It's just more evidence of what he set aside. And then he set aside his eternal riches, right? For uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And then um, he set aside his face-to-face -face relationship with the Father. Right? So in Matthew 27, 46, it says, And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? So what happened at that time? Being poured upon him, or the father turned away from him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, father turned away from him. Why did the father turn away from him? Because he can't look upon sin. Because he can't look upon he sin with favor, right? Ecclesiastes. Yeah, and so he then gives up that face-to-face -face relationship with the father, right? Because he's never that's never happened through all of eternity, right? He's had a perfect communion with God the Father, which is, you know, when people are uh, talk about him being in the garden and knowing what's coming. The wrath of God is coming upon him. Um, I think people overlook sometimes. They don't think about the fact that maybe more the agony is going to be that he is going to be separated from God the Father, which he has never, ever been separated from for eternity. And here it is. He's going to be separated. And here's the evidence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is it God says, um, you have sinned on you. And I cannot look upon sin. Right? And so, of course, that's her so story. Did he think if he, I ain't thought this was right now for some reason. Did he, if he was fully, and I'm not going to ask some questions. I'm not going to ask some questions. I'm so confused. I'm thinking it, he's God, but he's, but he's, but he's, he's fully man while he's on earth. He's fixed to be crucified. He's still not complete, complete human body, right? Mm -hmm. So does he know what's coming? If he's just gonna, if he's given up that if he's given up the independent authority, does that mean he know they're fixing to kill him? Because he's really you no, know, he up? knows. There's only a few things. That, I mean, the one thing he really doesn't know is that when he is going to return. That is something he has yeah. not retained the knowledge of or he, set he aside. He knew that it was he knows he's going to kill. He's already said it many, many times. They're going to kill him. He knows exactly all the steps, right? Right. Yeah, but he's, I mean, those are all, all excellent questions. You think about it. Uh, what did he know and how did he know? So he knows everything that's going to happen. He knows. Even in his human form. He knows everything, yeah. He's still omniscient. He still knows the thoughts of men. How can it, I mean, you might know something I want. You know, if it's like That's around breakfast time, I might want to eat breakfast, but, you know, you might know that about me. Or if I'm, you know, uh, hot, you might say, ooh, he looks like he's kind of needs a drink of water. You might know one or two things just by, by looking, but no, Jesus knew their thoughts, right? And so he is omniscient. He knows that. And he can perform miracles, which, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the works of, of Christ next uh, in, in the next lesson. Not next one, but in, in the next, uh, yeah, the next lesson. In the future. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's healing. And to, to, to heal somebody the way he did, he, he has to be all-powerful because he is literally causing, uh, he is causing flesh to spontaneously regenerate or just, he's just creating it on the spot. Right? How does a blind person who can't see, obviously that's, Kind of redundant on my part, but um, how does he restore sight to a blind person? You know, it's like you don't know what the problem is. Is it you know really bad cataracts? They can't see through cataracts, or is it was it a disease process that destroyed the optic nerve, or something else? Did the child you know receive a blow to the back of the head that damaged the occipital lobe of the brain, so he can't process it? You don't know anything. We don't know why a person is blind at birth, right? But when it says Jesus healed the blind person so that they could see, everything has to work. The eyeballs have to function. The lenses have to work. The, the foci at the back of the eyeball have to receive the light inputs. There has to be a chemical uh, uh, um, uh, reaction that takes place that turns into an electrical impulse that travels along the optic nerve, and this sequence keeps going on. It's as the, as the uh, nerve cells... Are, are touching, there's a chemical reaction which results in electrical, chemical react all the way back to the occipital lobe of the brain which then processes it all into this vision. So how does Jesus do that? Because he's God. He's God, right? 
Because he's created. I mean, it says in, in, in uh, Matthew, uh, uh, John 1, 1, is it in the beginning? He, it, 1, 2, is it, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So he was there at the creation. He was the creator. And so just more evidence that he is omniscient. He is omnipotent. I mean, he has to be omniscient to know exactly what's wrong with the person in order to fix it, right? And then he has to be all-powerful to create. He's got to cause all these molecules and everything to come together to work perfectly, right? So evidence, right, that he is that. Okay, so what is the result then of his self-humbling? He said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me, right? And then he says, the Father is greater than I. Okay, so these are the verses that cause many people to imply that Christ is not God. So as a result of God emptying himself, he took on the form of a bond slave. Since Jesus became a bond slave, what would his position be in relation to the Father? A servant, right? And so he's saying... I can do nothing on my own, but only what the Father tells me. He voluntarily came down as a bond servant. So then, um, after he emptied himself of his divine prerogatives, then this is true. Right? He's emptied himself. He says, I'm going to come down as a slave. Therefore, I can do nothing on my own initiative, and the Father is greater than I. But, Almost all cults will deny that Jesus Christ is, is um, not God in the flesh. Right? That's, that's actually the definition of a cult, is they deny the deity of Christ. Okay, so why was it necessary for, um, for Jesus to become fully man? Um, Andrea, can you read that? Hebrews 2.17 Therefore... He had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Yeah, okay, so one word we need to look at here. What does propitiation mean? It's a big, you know, it's a Christianese word. Propitiation. You always use the word propitiation, right? So it's a uh, it's atonement. That's the other word we'll use for it. But really, it is atonement for or appeasement, right? It's an appeasement to God, right? He's making propitiation or appeasement to God for the sins of those who are His, right? And so, in order to to make propitiation for sin, um, what needs to take place? Well. He had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest pertaining to, um, in things pertaining to God in order to be a sufficient sacrifice to appease God's wrath. So that's why he had to come in, in this form. And then um, it says, how many ways did he have to be like his brethren? Yeah, in all things, in all things. So was there any, any way that he was not fully like us? I mean, except for the fact that he was omniscient, <laughs> omnipotent, you know, and, and all the rest of those attributes. But in the form of man, he is just like a man. Everything that we go through as a man, he went through. Hunger, you know. Was it, did, did it hurt to walk on the rocks back there? You get a rock under your shoe. Yeah, it hurt, you know. Um, everything. You know, he's a man. Just like, just like we are all part of the human race. So whatever we experience, whatever things we have to go through in life, he himself did. He was tempted in all points as we are. Think about that. He's tempted in all points. Every way that you can be tempted, he was tempted. So we always look at, Christ being tempted, but we only think of it as the one time after the fasting where Satan tempted him three times, right? But it says he's tempted all the time. He was always being tempted by Satan. Well, people don't think, you know, he wasn't born at 30 years old. What? I know, right? 
I mean, he was a kid. He was two. And then he was three. Yeah. And then he was four. Yeah. And then he was two. You know what I mean? It's like, he wasn't, the temptation didn't start. Right. When, you know, I mean, it started at birth. It started with demanding, I'm hungry. I mean, just just everything. So, I mean, people don't realize. Yeah. He had to grow. He grew. He was a baby. Everything that, you know, kids go through. That awkward teenage stage. Like when he was 12, when he was in the tent, they found him in the temple. He didn't know, you know, that was wrong for him to leave his parents behind. To be his God. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying is he didn't know, okay, my father is God, so I can do whatever I want. You know, maybe that's what he was thinking, so I'll go in here and forget the rest of my family. Yeah, well, I think more or less is that just if you remember is that the parents thought he was with someone else. Yeah. So everybody left, and it's like you met. You know, that's why they say count off. You got a big fan. Count off. How many kids are? Where are y'all? You know, make sure everybody's on the van or whatever they had the covered wagon back then. But um, yeah, I mean, they thought they thought he was with someone else, and so but he wasn't. He was probably in the temple when they were all leaving, and there's just the assumption that he was, you know, with another another group of people and three days out or something, whatever it was, where is Jesus? And what parent hasn't done that? Where are, what, what happened to see, you know, you got to turn, turn the car around. Well, it's usually, usually about an hour or half an hour later. You know. Well, I know this is probably a little bit off subject, but I heard on the radio news, uh, there was a, a family traveling two separate cars and they left their four year old kid at the gas station. They did. Yeah. Wait, for how long though? They just left him. But when they realized it, four, was no, it, was no, it they left day? him. And they just, <laughs> you know, a four-year-old is supposed to be in the car seat. Where's the kid in the car for the car seat? Mm. You know? But, they, yeah. that, but that's what they said they did. They thought that he was with the other right. you know, the vehicle. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that probably happened there too. This yeah. is just to say, those things going on for the last 2,000 years, even before that, right? Yeah. So why was it necessary for Jesus to become fully man? Uh, I think we know that, but let's look at these verses. Um, Keone, can you read those two for us? Yes, 1 Corinthians 15, 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And then 21 to 22. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Right. So then, who was it? By whom did death come? Adam. Right. Adam sinned, and all, all men after that die. For the wages of sin is death. death. Right. And then, because by one man came death, then by whom came the resurrection? A man, Jesus Christ. Right. So he had to become a man in order to die. Can God die? Mm-hmm. No. God can't die. But in, in, in God's vernacular, to pay the penalty of sin, there has to be a death, right? And that's why the whole sacrificial system had been going on for several thousand years ever since the Jews left. Well, actually, you go back to the garden. What was the first sacrifice? The lamb for the clothing. Animals for the clothing, right? And so God sacrificed animals, and he clothed uh, Adam and Eve. And then... Later, you read about Cain and Abel and what happened. Cain slew his brother Abel. Why? Because Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God and Cain's wasn't. Why? Because Cain was offering fruits and vegetables or something. He's a farmer and he offers from the ground. He knew the appropriate sacrifice. He just didn't do it. And so uh, Abel, though, knew. And Abel sacrificed animals. And that was for the covering of sin. And so here... Uh, the sacrificial system would go on for an eternity had it not been for the final sacrifice that Jesus paid the penalty, the last sacrifice, the last Adam, if you will. And through that, um, God's wrath is satisfied. And as a result, then, that resurrection is applied to all who believe. The resurrection unto life. And for those who don't believe, it's a resurrection unto death, eternal punishment. Yeah. So, um, 
Oh, and the other thing about this is that when he was resurrected, right, for, the, for by one man came death, by also one man came the resurrection. Uh, so sometimes people say, well, his body wasn't resurrected, only his spirit was resurrected. Mm-hmm. But his body was resurrected. When we get into heaven, we're going to see Jesus in his resurrected body. He still has the imprints, right? What did he tell Thomas? Put your finger here, put your hand on my side see that I am he, right? Is that he is in his resurrected body. Okay, so Christ had to die in, whoops, too fast. So just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many, right? He had to be the perfect sacrifice, so the Christ's sinlessness cannot be explained apart from his deity because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then, um, when it's said in Romans 3.23, is it how many have sinned? All have sinned. All are guilty from the time of Adam on. There is not a person on earth who is not guilty of sin. Right? And so, um, in the second verse where it says the just... Who is that referring to? Sorry. Let me, uh, let me bring the next one. <laughs> this one. <laughs> so, for Christ hath once suffered for all the sins, the just for the unjust. Who is the just? The just is Jesus Christ, right? The one who was sinless. He's the just one. For the unjust. Who is the unjust? That's all of us, right, that, that believe. And this goes on to, you know, was his sacrifice for the entire world. This comes down to what they call limited atonement in the, you know, part of uh, Calvin's, um, what do they call that? Calvin's what? Corner? No. Calvin's Corner? (laughs) Calvinism. It's the five points of Calvinism. One is a limit, tulip, thank you. Yeah, limit, the L is limited atonement, right? Is it, would it have been sufficient for the whole world and everybody? It would have been if that was God's plan and all would have become believers. Then God would have applied the punishment for everyone on him. But as it was, he applied the punishment of those whom he chose out of the world. The rest are left to undergo their own punishment for eternity. Okay. So then, Jesus was um, still God. The miracles prove it, right? Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but they have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So what's required to have life? Believing in Jesus Christ, right? Is there any other way to heaven? No. There's no other way to heaven. Belief in Jesus Christ is the requirement, right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, you believe in a heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? So then, uh, what miracles did Jesus perform? Healed sick, gave sight to the blind, fed the 5,000. What did Jesus do to perform these miracles? How was a blind man given sight? We talked about that. He literally had to recreate. How about the food? How is is it you take, you know, how many fish? 12 fish and was it five fish? Five loaves. Five loaves and two fish. Two fish, yeah. That's how many baskets they have left over. Yeah, they had 12 baskets left over. What's taking place here? How is this happening? What's going on? No, is that five thousand? Yeah, children, the whole families, right? Five thousand families. So what's going on? How is it that what is what is taking place? He's molecular. Yeah, he's creating food. He's creating food every time the basket goes from one person to person. It's like he took everything out, but yet everything's still in. How does that happen? Yeah. And it just keeps on going and going and going and all the way around, and they end up with twelve baskets when they only started up with this a kid sack lunch. Same way he passed the bits. He it, something happened. Made a, right? Something. <laughs> so yeah, so then those demonstrate who that, that he is God because only God can do that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, Hollywood magic tries to make some of that stuff up, but it's all just Hollywood magic, right? So then, 
Um, even though he, he took on the form of man, he was still fully God. So let's look at these, um, these verses. Uh, so he is sovereign, right? Let's, let's quickly go through these. Um, and Jesus came and spoke to them. Saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All, how much authority? All. all authority, right? All authority. So he has all authority. And then uh, he is eternal, as we read that one. Um, maybe not. How did I, what happened? Here we go, let's click that. There, yeah. This one we said, which, uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was, the, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So he is eternal. Unchanged, he's immutable. Right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is all-knowing, right? that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. And then uh, he's perfect and sinless. We know that one. And then holy. But you denied the holy one and the just and asked for murder to be granted to you and you killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And then truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So these are all, these are all attributes of God. right? And they're also attributes of Jesus. Okay, so then, he demonstrated his power um, in his earthly ministry in the following ways. I don't have time to run over him, but he's power over nature, right? What did he do? He controlled the sea. He just said, be still. And then whoosh, all the waves went down, right? and the wind died. Um, and then in Luke 4, he had the power over sickness, because we know he healed people. And then we, he had power over evil spirits, because he cast them out. Um, what else? He had power over death. What is this one? Let's look at that quickly. I think Lazarus. Lazarus. So he said to these things, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. What would happen if he had just said, come forth? Everybody in the, everybody had died would be just poured out of there. Right? So he said, Lazarus, come forth. Right? And, and notice that they waited. They waited until corruption had hit the body, right? What did, what did Martha say? Lord, he stinketh, he stinketh by now. Right? They know what happens when a person's dead. They didn't embalm back then. And so, yeah. They actually know, waited an extra couple days. On purpose, right? Yeah. Just to show. So, and so what do you have to do? I mean, okay, so Lazarus' body is breaking down, right? He's breaking down. I mean, he's just like liquefying inside. Things are oh, bad. I used to be a firefighter. I, I see bodies three days later. It's, it's not. Not pretty. No. Oh. Especially no. in the heat. In the heat, yeah. Oh, no. oh yeah. it's terrible. So he's breaking down and he just whoosh. So God restores his body, creates a new body, you know, or, or brings his old one perfectly, you know, back the way it was. How do you think Lazarus felt about that? <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> Speechless. Really? What? You brought me back? I was up there with Abraham and, you know, it was great. Brought me back here. So then, um, what additional authority did Jesus claim and exercise? He said, this. Um, "Yeah, because he had uh, he had the power to forgive sins." And what did the Jews say about this? Only uh, God. Only God has the power to forgive sins. So. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, forgive sins, and then. Uh, he said, only God can forgive sins. So if Jesus had the authority to forgive sins, and only God forgives sins, then who is Jesus? God. He's God. So then, we just made it. Today we covered the God who would become man, the man who is God, Christ who is the Savior, partially, and then we'll get to that next week. Any questions about what we covered today? I hope you have a better understanding of God and, his, and who He is. And so next week we'll cover... The Christ who is Savior, we'll finish that. And then the King who will come to rule, and it's our application. All right? So then, so let me pray.
Uh, I will collect it and I will hand back the stuff from last week too. So let me pray first and we'll do that administration afterwards. <laughs> Father God, thank you for your word and um, how you have clearly uh, provided us um, explanation of who Jesus Christ is and why he came and that you sent him and you sent him for a specific purpose to pay the penalty of the sins of those who you've chosen out of the world. And we thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us and pray, God, that um, you would use us to share the gospel to others whom you've, you've chosen um, because you've commanded us to do so. And so in order to be obedient to you, we need to do that. And we can tell the story of who Jesus is, and even if it's to someone who you have not chosen, Lord, it still brings glory to you. And so we thank you for your word. It's by the word that uh, we are all saved, and just help us to understand it and apply it. And um, pray for blessing on us this, uh, this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name.